This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. My sufficient healing is ongoing and intentional, since I am and always will be a work in progress. Valeria Tellez interviews Michelle Andrea Williams, the author of Wound Proofing Our Writing Practice, Introducing the Scars Method. Michelle Andrea Williams, MBA, works full-time as a data specialist manager for an award-winning healthcare analytics company in Boston, Massachusetts. She's a chapter leader for the Nonfiction Authors Association, and holds monthly meetings to help authors and writers navigate the self and traditional publishing world. She developed a writing method to transverse past trauma through journaling called the SCARS method and teaches local and online classes on the technique. She is the author of three books, including Wound Proofing Our Writing Practices for writers working on their memoir, especially geared for writing about traumatic events. She is passionate about self-awareness, brain hacks, and discovering holistic and spiritual methods to healing mind, body, and spirit. Michelle is the co-founder and current board member of the MBS for God International Incorporated, a nonprofit organization helping the poor and underserved around the world by supporting self-sustaining projects, education, and food and resources. Meet Michelle at michelleandreawilliams.com. Here is the interview with Michelle Andrea Williams. In your own words, who is Michelle Andrea Williams? She is a woman who experienced life through broken moments and uh, trauma early on but grew through the decades to find a path to sufficient healing and now lives a life to help others find that path and, and obtain that sufficient healing that everyone deserves. What is healing to you, the first question? And the second is, what would sufficient healing look like? Well, there's two parts to that. The first part, if you think about physical wounding, where the skin is broken, maybe you're cut or um, have a scrape, your body starts covering that with a scab to protect it, uh, but it's not quite healed yet. And then when, when your body heals fully, and I say fully, sufficiently, mm-hmm. sometimes a scar is left. Yeah. And that's the same concept in emotional trauma, emotional wounding. We sometimes cover it with a scab or a covering to hide it, but it doesn't really heal properly. And in order to heal properly, 
it needs a little more effort, a little more care. And when we reach that point of sufficient healing, we still may be left with a scar. But we are at a place where just as a wound heals into a scar, you see it, you recognize it, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It's just a reminder of a story. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I view sufficient healing, where we're at that place of emotional healing in which we can look back at the event or the trauma or what happened to us and view it without the negative emotions, without that pain. And we can share a story of how that sufficient healing occurred. Do you connect feelings to emotions? Are they the same somehow? I I think feelings are fleeting and temporary. Emotions, I consider them a little different. They're more embedded into our in our minds and in our hearts, I think emotions carry more power Mm. than feelings. We have a feeling about something, we like something, but if something invokes an emotion from us, it's a little more powerful than just a feeling. Mm. So feelings are deeper to me. Uh, They feel spiritually deeper than just a feeling about something. Yeah. So emotions, would you say that they're somehow also connected to belief systems? that we have created and are holding on to? I think that it could. If we say, for instance, we believe that um, maybe something happened to us and a traumatic event made us have a negative emotion where we feel like we are unworthy and undeserving. That's that's a, a, a feeling slash emotion that can... Uh, there's an incorrect belief about ourselves. Mm, yeah. and, and in that way, it can inhibit us from growth and healthy relationships and things that we truly deserve to have in our life. Talk to me for a moment about the connection between healing and writing. Writing impacts people in different ways. You can be typing on a type, or, you know, typewriter. That's old school, but you can yeah, be typing yeah, on could. a keyboard. <laughs> But writing pen to paper, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so it's difficult for me to write on days where I have intense joint pain. But on those days that I can do it, it's very powerful. It's more creative to me, and it invokes that part of my brain where I can really get emotion out. And there, there is a connection between writing and the brain that can help you Uh, get things out that you may not be able to talk about, like journaling or having a diary. So writing can be very therapeutic, and that's something that I do just talk about in my workbook that I have for writers and authors, that writing can be very powerful. It can be very healing, and it can pull the emotions out of us that we may not even realize. We can go back and look at a piece of writing and think, wow, did I, I, I didn't realize that about myself. I didn't realize that that event affected me so deeply and how it affected me for so long. So I think it, there are some realizations that we can gather from, from writing and can help us on our healing journey. It can also sort out the path in which we need to follow. There's some steps that you can follow to help yourself 
on the healing journey and what do those steps look like. I think writing is a very good tool to use to be able to find those, that pathway and those steps that we need to take. Yeah, to me, it's definitely one of the most powerful healing tools for me has been. So and for most people I talk to, so it kind of makes sense. But I do have some people around me who never write and they find a different way of healing themselves. Yeah. Of course. That's interesting, right, Michelle? It might be the natural wisdom that we all have too. Of course. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? From my point of view, I, I feel and believe that whatever we experience in life, whether positive or negative, sharing a story to help others find a path to maybe enlightenment, maybe uh, sufficient healing, maybe it, it, you know, just a better view of themselves. I think we become a mirror uh, to show others, in my mind, in my heart, uh, the purpose is to show others how wonderful and valuable they are, how unique and creative they can be, and that they were created for more on this earth than just to be going through the mechanics of every single day. That there is a larger picture and a larger uh, belief that that I have for every human being. And for me to be able to help others see that by emulating that within myself and to help others see that within themselves, I think that that's the, the greatest picture. And ultimately to get to a point where we truly love who we are. Mm. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to envision sometimes. But to be able to truly love others, we have to truly love ourselves. And so I, I, I think part of our larger purpose is to help others see that value, self-value and self-love and how crucial it is in the human experience. I love that. That they see their own value. So true. Yeah, a thousand times true to that. What is spirituality to you? What is to be spiritual from your perspective? From my perspective, I am, I consider myself a Christian, but not in the sense that yeah. is visually or publicly. It's a very private, open, honest, loving relationship with my creator. And that is what I consider my spirituality. It is a relationship. It's not what I do. It's not what I say. It's the relationship that I have with the one who created me. And it's an intimacy that I so hope that others look for and find, uh, whatever their spiritual beliefs are, that they find that spiritual intimacy with the one that they feel is they, their creator. Uh, I don't impose my beliefs on anyone. I don't ask them to believe what I believe. I just know that it is a hundred percent beautiful, spiritual, powerful intimacy that I have with, with God and with Jesus. So do you believe that the Creator, God, put us here to, to help others? Is that the purpose? I think that can be one of our largest purposes in this world. I think before we get to that point of helping others, we have to truly know ourselves right, right. and know our own value and purpose and worth before we can 
truly help others. We can help people, but you know, ultimately, I think that we should know ourselves intimately on the spiritual level. And, and yes, I, I believe that my spirit and my body are two separate things. I believe that I've been given a body to live in, to be able to do whatever tasks I'm called to do, I'm led to do, I'm, I'm gifted at doing, but my spirit is truly who I am. And so I, I've learned to, especially because I have a chronic illness, I've learned to separate my spirit mm. from my body and look at my body holistically as that biological machine that I live in mm-hmm. sometimes. And that <laughs> helps me feel a little better, mm-hmm. especially when I have days of, of chronic pain. But uh, I know that my spirit is, uh, spirit health is just as important as mental and physical health. What comes to mind when we talk about the purpose, being the human body, helping ourselves and helping others, it makes me think about the creator or God, as you call it, mm-hmm. could create anything. Like why create the human body? It's so fragile and could go like we have. I have been through a lot of traumas and, and abuse and all. I'm wondering why would that be necessary, that part of the journey? I don't know that any one person can find one specific answer for that. I feel that there are times where I question why did I go through what I went through and uh, what purpose did it serve? I may or may not find that answer. And I've come to a point in my life where I'm okay with not having that answer. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with not knowing the reason behind is what do I do with that? Right. Where where do I go with that? And how do I live my life despite that? Mm. Yeah. And so that's where I came to the point of sufficient healing, of not finding full and complete 100% healing, but that place of living a sufficiently healed life where I'm not hurting anymore and my emotional trauma is worked through. And I'm on the other side to be able to help others find a path to sufficient healing. I love your wisdom. (laughs) Thank you. You just mentioned this sounds like a destination to be completely healed. Do you believe that there is such a thing, actually? I can only speak from my own perspective. And, you know, one one of the things I think about is... Uh, and this used to make me angry when people would say this, is you are you cannot be the person you are today without the things that happened in your life, or you wouldn't be the person today without the trauma or without the abuse or and and that would make me angry. But now, when I'm at a place of sufficient healing, it no longer makes me angry. And so how did I get there? How did I get to that point of not being angered by those types of comments? I'm at the point now where I feel it is true that I am the person I am because of the life I've lived and the things that have happened to me and would I want it to be any different? Sure, I would love to go back to my teenage years and say, here's how life is going to be unless you find sufficient healing faster, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which would have saved me decades of of angst. But I feel like you know, get, getting to that point of sufficient healing 
and and the scarring that the where the wounds don't affect me anymore or hurt me anymore it's made me a very strong person a very centered person and would i be that without the things that i've experienced i'm not sure so we can have a full life um, with sufficient healing and be okay with not being fully healed. I think fully healed means feeling like it never happened. I I don't think I'd ever want to feel like something never happened. Hmm. I think that when we, especially when we lose loved ones, that it is worth the pain because of the amount of love that we shared between one another, Hmm. that that's worth it to feel the pain after they've, they've gone. So to love a child to love a spouse and to have them depart from us. I think the pain and the, and the grief is, is worth it because of the enormity and the depth of the love that we've experienced with that person. We are going through the pain of loss because we have loved, because we had something. So we can't really right. lose what we don't have. How wonderful. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? To me, freedom is not repeating the same thing Uh, over and over and over again. There's the saying that you've heard many people say that if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, not repeating the same patterns, the same things over and over and expecting your life to change. Mm, Because if it worked, it would have worked. I think freedom is finding something new and different, something that is valuable and works to help you grow. And I think growth, growth and understanding, I think is part of freedom where you can work through issues and come out on the other side and feel better about life, feel better about yourself, have better relationships, not repeat the same old mistakes or rely on coping mechanisms to just get you through to the next day. Freedom is not relying on anything to make you feel worthy and valued. It is that innate feeling that you have because you know yourself, you've done the work to get to that sufficiently healed point in your life and nothing else is taking its place, if that makes sense. You wrote the book, Wound Proving Our Writing Practice, Introducing the Scars Method. So two uh, initial questions. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing this book? I started writing when I was very young. The moment I learned to read, I was writing. I was creative writing, writing stories and writing poems. I took some creative writing classes in college. And I've been creatively writing for a number of years. I've also spent about 25 years in business. So that comes with writing technical things like instructions for employees and training documents and things like that to give people step-by-step instructions to complete a task. So between those two, that carried me through in my 
my need to write. I have this innate need to write, to be able to express myself or to help other people. And that just comes from a long line of experience and passion. And what caused me to write wound-proofing or writing practice was two things. One, I have a sister-in-law who is a fiction, uh, young author, fiction writer. She writes a lot of gothic kind of, you know, vampire-y love stories and just really great series of books. Her name is Carly Rush. And my brother, her husband, passed away in 2015. Uh, He was 49 and he died of a heart attack. Uh, He is 13 months older than me, so we were very close. I hadn't seen him in quite a number of years, but I reconnected with her after he passed and she was really struggling. And so part of this workbook was to help her get through the trauma of losing a spouse, of being a widow and being a single parent to her children and get back to that creativity of writing that I that she's so passionate about. So part of the workbook was writing it for her. And the other part was giving really good instructions and exercises that I wish I had when I wrote my first memoir to be able to navigate writing about traumatic events and what constitutes personal writing versus writing that's publishable and how to navigate the emotions of that kind of writing to be able to separate yourself from your writing and use it as a tool for healing, but also turn it into a more holistic story that can help others. Even if it's fiction writing, sometimes people write their life out in their fiction stories, but how can they have a quote unquote happy ending, a a place where it offers the reader something of value, deep thought or realization. So how do you get there? And those two things helped me write this workbook. So it's for all writers, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, to be able to navigate the emotions behind writing, even just getting feedback from your editor, which which can invoke a lot of emotions Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's our baby. And we've, we've been very creative in creating our, our, word child. (laughs) And so when we get feedback, especially if it's negative, how do we navigate those emotions and separate ourselves from those emotions? So that, those were the two reasons I wrote the book. Uh, I sent it out to her, my sister-in-law to, to use that. And it really helped. Uh, And she's now started writing books again. It's been five and a half years. She published her first book since my brother's death, Uh, last year. And it was very profound. It was part of her life story, but it was in a fiction story and it was, it was quite touching. How insightful to know that um, some writers, they actually, instead of writing a memoir, a nonfiction book, they will write a fiction book. But um, it still carries a lot of uh, perhaps even more truth and emotions and so it's, in a way, it's real, right, Michelle? A lot of the right. fiction stories. Yeah, and you can, you can take those deep, 
hurtful emotions and, and turn it into something great. Yeah. But sometimes you have to dig deep behind, you know, to get some clarity behind those emotions to be able to draw out the fullness of the story. You don't want, especially if it's fiction writing, to be able to have characters that have depth and value and are interesting. Um, so how do you pull that out? And you have to really know your characters. And in order to do that, you have to truly know yourself. Mm, wow. So the work, the inner work, it's actually the same. We're even mm. more yeah. profound. How do we choose between writing fiction and nonfiction when it comes to healing or sufficient healing, as you call it? I love that. So, yeah, how do we make that decision? In the workbook, I have a fictional exercise that I encourage anybody, if they're nonfiction or fiction writers, I encourage everybody to write a fictionalized version of it because you can be very creative. You can invoke color and smell and sound, emotion, and just get really creative with what you're writing about. Poetry is very powerful. If you wanted to write a poem about a negative emotion that you're feeling. You know, what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Like if it were an object, what would it look like? What color would it be? Would it be jagged or smooth? And so I think just fictional writing, I encourage anyone to take a hand at it and see where it leads them because that gives a little more freedom than nonfiction. We can always write down the mechanics of our own story. But when you get into fiction, you can start tapping into that deep creativity that writers typically have. And just it it may help you sort things out and sort some things out that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. Yeah. And talk to me for a moment about uh, the distinction between personal writing and publishable writing. Yes. So I talk a lot about that in the workbook. And personal writing basically is for your own healing. Uh, Some writers write their memoir and it's full of their personal writing. Should they publish that? Not Mm. sure. (laughs) Everything that I wrote for my memoir, I had four years of journals. Probably 5% of that is in my published memoir. And the rest of that is very personal. And so there are exercises that writers can do to be able to find out if what they're writing is personal or if it's publishable. And there's a litmus test basically to, uh, is it offering the reader a solution? Is it offering Mm -hmm. the reader hope? And are you just dumping your emotions for them to you know, look at? Is it offering a path for healing? And so answering some of those questions, you can start discerning what is personal writing, your own private healing memoir, and what is publishable, that which will help others find what you found. And until you get to that place of sufficient healing, it's very important that you hold back all of your personal writing and not publish it until you get to that point of sufficient healing to be able to offer the reader hope and a surety that they can overcome similar things that that you overcame 
So what is the SCARS method and how does it work? Let me just say the letters, what they mean. So the first one, separate, clarify, ask, rebuild, and share. And as a side note, I love the quote you have under uh, clarify. You quote somebody there, Steve uh, Maraboli. Not sure if that's how you pronounce his last name. He wrote a book titled Life, the Truth, and Being Free. So he says, a lack of clarity could put the brakes on any journey to success. I love that. <laughs> yes, I, I love that too. And yeah. And for people to get gain clarity, uh, clarity is step two. And clarity is to be able to see why we write our stories and what we want to accomplish from our stories. So being very clear about our expectations, about, um, you know, why we are writing what we're writing. Are, are we doing it for healing or are we, you know, doing it out of anger? Like being very, very clear about our intention and our purpose behind our writing. Asking why. Very simple question. Every two-year-old knows <laughs> how to ask why. <laughs> True. But if we look inside and start asking ourselves why, and you do that five times, why? Have an answer. And then ask again, why? And then have another answer and continue down that path. That is a very deep way to dig down into being clear or gaining clarity into something, asking why five times. So, so being clear about our goal and our journey and what we want to accomplish with our writing, it's, it's, it's very important for people to understand and gain clarity. So we're almost at the end of the interview. Would you like to um, talk for a moment about the other components of SCARS? Sure. Yeah. Sure. SCARS is a very easy acronym to remember. Yeah, right. It is the, what I used as a path to sufficient healing. And the first one is separate. And that is basically separating from our emotions and having an outside perspective as if we are maybe a private investigator or a journalist, if you have that mindset of looking at our story and looking at it holistically from a different point of view. One of the exercises I have writers do uh, that I've had in workshops is to think about your worst negative emotion, whether it's anger or fear or jealousy or whatever it might be, and pretend it's a person that is sitting between you, a plexiglass is sitting between you and that person, your emotion. You feel safe and separated from them. Start writing what you see, what you hear them say, how they make you feel. And just that image, that vision of separating yourself from your emotion can open up all kinds of avenues in your writing practice. The other Ones are ask, and as a writer, we always need to ask for feedback. If we're writing about a personal experience, this may be very difficult for some people, especially if they're writing about a family situation or a community situation, because people are very emotional and very invested 
and and may not take our story as well as we want them to. But navigating that, asking for information and feedback and being very clear about what we are expecting from others when we're telling our story. And then rebuild. This is piecing after you go through a number of exercises. This is piecing your story back together and rebuilding it in a way where it is very powerful. It's intentional. It is very clear. And it's offering the reader something more than just a story. It is offering them a solution, a path, maybe a suggestion to be able to find their own sufficient healing. So rebuilding that. And then the last letter is share with a small S. And this comes at the very end of all the hard work when we reach that place of sufficient healing. Our story is fully rebuilt. It's it's in a, a format where we are clear, it doesn't hurt us anymore, and we offer a hopeful solution. That's when we share. That's the portion of ourselves that we share with the world. And so the last letter is sharing our story. Was writing the main healing method you used in, on your journey? There was two things. I wrote and I prayed. Yeah. And I wrote so. my prayers. <laughs> yeah. And I journaled. Mm. It. What I did was over a four-year period, I wrote letters to God. And I was real and raw and deep and cursing and (laughs) pleading. And I was just as open as if he were sitting in front of me. And that was one of the largest, most impactful methods of healing or my healing journey was to be able to be real and honest and have that relationship. I think that my journaling helped bridge that lack of relationship that I that I had and it helped help me become much closer to my creator uh, because I was very honest and and very open about how I was feeling and what I was going through. So I think that if we approach our our writing honestly and clearly with you know all the emotion whatever it is I think it it can be very impactful and very healing and life changing. Yeah, and absolutely is. Would you say also that once we have reached that point of sufficient healing then um we no longer have a need or a desire to write? I don't think so. I think, you know, sufficient healing means that you're okay, that you're okay where you are, but it is, we are always a work in progress. I am, I am (laughs) a continuous work in progress. So, you know, my sufficient healing and then, you know, up pops another wounding. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it's just a, it's a continuous process of moving forward and finding another step that we can take and another another moment to find another piece of that sufficient healing. So I think, you know, broadly, sufficient healing is a great term and we have moments of that, but it's a continuous process. It's always a work in progress. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. So we're almost at the end. I have a few questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? There's one passage that I I write in the introduction 
And what I say to every writer and author out there, I said, I hope you find through this workbook or any other method, I'm adding that, any other method that may be out there, a deeper understanding of yourself and those around you, a place of sufficient healing, wholeness to your story, whether it's published or not, clarity in your motivation, and the value in sharing a piece of yourself with the world. Be brave, courageous, and willing to listen to others with empathy. But most of all, be sufficiently healed. We want to read your story, your whole story, and see you walking this earth with a message of hope, healing, and love. Thank you again, Michelle, for the work you do. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? I think success is a process. I think success is, in order to understand hot, you have to know cold. In order to understand light, you have to know dark. So in order to be successful, I think that you have to be okay with failure. I think you have to understand that failing 99 times makes that one success so much sweeter Mm. and more valuable. So success is never giving up, always trying, never feeling defeated, even when you do have the courage to keep moving, keep going, keep striving. Uh, I love all that. (laughs) I love your wisdom, this profound understanding about yourself in life. How wonderful. And then what you do is you just wish that more people would be like that, (laughs) especially people around you. Um, Yeah. But then this is the thing. We can't change others, right, Michelle? We cannot. Right. That is true. We can, I can tell you that I've taught seminars and classes and had online sessions. And if I have, for example, 10 people taking my class, about two of them are going to find what they need. About five or six of them are going to be somewhere where they're either not quite ready or they get a portion of what they need. And then the other portion are people who are just not ready. So you have to understand where you are. And if you are ready, there are methods and paths out there for you, just waiting for you. If you're not quite ready, I hope that you are someday. And if you're not ready at all, know that about yourself and show yourself some grace and give yourself some peace. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Makes me wonder what makes some of us ready and others not. Is that a choice? Yeah, is that a a decision we choose to make or something else? I think it can be. I think it can be a choice. I think sometimes that we have to evaluate ourselves to see if we need something deeper and something more professional. Uh, For example, if you are having thoughts of suicide or depression, you definitely need to reach out to someone professionally to get mental health care. Our mental health care is just as important as our medical, physical care. And if you are just struggling day to day uh, to be able to make it through, that's professional. That needs some professional attention. Maybe a therapist or a pastor or somebody who is trained to be able to help you navigate some steps to get to 
the next place where maybe you have a little more uh, energy and courage to find a path to sufficient healing. But I think we need to take a step back and look at ourselves to see why we're not ready. Uh, It can be a choice or it can be an underlying problem that needs to be uh, attended to professionally. So two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I don't think I would. I don't think I would do anything differently. I think I would love just as much. I would care for others just as much. I would probably call my grandchildren more. (laughs) But I do talk to them several times a week anyway. Uh, They don't live with us, but they, you know, we stay in touch and they're close. I would do one thing. Mm. I would probably write a lot of letters to my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And I I thought a lot about doing that, like legacy writing, writing to future generations and giving them a message of hope and care and courage. Mm. I love that idea. maybe if I knew I had six months to live, I might just uh, have a private YouTube channel (laughs) that I would pass around to my (laughs) grandchildren to be able to watch for generations to come and just... And talk to them about life and love and spirituality and God and caring for one another and courage in the face of, of adversity. And yeah. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? That I know for sure. I know who I am for sure. And I like who I am. I know that. I am with a partner who enjoys me being me and that everything I do needs to have purpose and value and have clarity and intention. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your wisdom, the work you do, your presence. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? All of my books are on Amazon for sale. They are inexpensive, so people do not have to invest a lot. But I also have a website, michelleandreawilliams.com. You can also find me on Instagram, and I have a Facebook page. Uh, You can connect with me through my website. And what's coming up in the future is I'm going to have several online courses Mm. that will be available that are self-paced and they should be coming out sometime in February. One is the SCARS method itself to find sufficient healing. It's called the Sufficient Healing Course. And the other one is based on my writer's workbook, Wound Proofing Our Writing Practice, to be able to have just supportive videos and encouraging words once a week where you can work through some of the exercises and have a little guidance. What a wonderful idea. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Michelle. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michelle Andrea Williams and her work, 
please visit michelleandreawilliams.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.